So we're be in Deuteronomy chapter 31, and we're only going to cover one chapter today. Oh my goodness, what are you slacking, Adam? It's a big chapter. It's got a lot in it. And then, of course, chapter 32 is the Song of Moses, and I didn't really want to start that without finishing it, and I didn't want to rush through it. So, But I think uh, Psalm 31 will give us plenty to talk about. So let's uh, uh, beseech the Almighty. Father, we pray as we look into your word, it would be to us our daily bread. Speak and tell us what you want us to know. And Lord, uh, help us to do well to receive it and to obey it. In Jesus' name, amen. So say about Bill, uh, to, Bill's a, what Carl was uh, alluding to is Bill's a, a Vietnam War vet. And uh, of course, you know, all that goes with that, post-traumatic stress and all those, you know, all those types of things. And he was having dreams that plagued him for years and years. I was at a men's uh, fellowship. We had a, it was a day of all, you know, men's meeting up in Bangorn. I don't remember exactly who was speaking. I think it was Ryan Gitman, maybe. Okay. August 11, 2019, he would know it. What's that? He's saying, he stood up and he was very frustrated. He said, now listen, and he explained that he'd been dreaming and had been plaguing him for years and years and years. And he said, how long, how long with, the, for the, with the damn dreams is what he said. And I kind of chuckled at that. Well, he was prayed for that day. And that's why I think about, was it Ryan Gitman? And Ryan Gitman's a magic man. I think it was God, and I think it was accumulation of prayer. I believe in like, you know, if two or more agree, I'm not a powerful man of prayer. I'm just, I'm not just like you. And God is God, and that day God intervened and moved, and he said he hadn't had a dream since. And by the way, Bill's, with me, Bill's testimony is impeccable. If he said he hadn't had a dream, I believe that. It's not even questioned. So, and since that time, and I thought, oh, well, praise Almighty God. That is a wonderful thing. Uh, so, there you have it. And so that's what uh, Kyle was alluding to. And I just thought that testimony would kind of bless you, you know. Does God answer prayer? Well, every one of us who's saved will say, well, he answered the prayer, I'm saved. And he's answered many prayers since. And I think we all know that. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 31. Moses went and spake these words unto all Israel. And he said unto them, I am 120 years old this day. I can no more go out and come in. Now I want to talk about this. Some people say he's 120. This is his birthday. I'm 120 years old today. Well, maybe, maybe not. Because I can tell you I'm 62 years old today, but it's not my birthday. So it can be just that. And Scripture's not fond of I don't want to put this the wrong way. We don't know about anyone's birthday, hardly, when they were born in Scripture, or, or celebrations of birthdays. We see Herod celebrating his birthday, and it seems to be a pagan kind of thing. Now, I've got you all upset with me, because uh, I celebrate my birthday. I must be a pagan. I'm not saying that. I'm saying Scripture doesn't... The day of your new birth is more important than the day of your birth. I will put it that way. Uh, Ecclesiastes says the day of one's death is more important than the day of one's birth. And I agree with that. Having said that, it's Sue's birthday, but it's not my birthday. And just, 
Yeah, wish her happy birthday, because I don't think that's anything pagan about that, and observing the day that we're born on, I don't think, per se, it's a horrible thing. If I did, I would say, run, don't. As we're getting older, our birthdays are less exciting to us, you know what I mean? When we are five, we'd, I'm five and a half, and my birthday's in two months, and we'd be all excited about that, but I haven't been five and a half in a long time, so it's not very exciting just, just want to say that. But he's 120 years old. Whether it's his birthday or whether he's just 120 today, he's saying, I can't go out anymore. I can't come in. You're saying, well, 120, I guess. He's probably, you know, really infirm. Oh, no, 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 no. Not so. Deuteronomy 34. Turn there, please. Verse 7. And Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim nor his natural force abated. His natural force means his vigor. It's like Caleb when they go into the promised land. He said, I was 40 back then. It's 40 years later. Now I'm 80 and I'm ready to go. I'm as young as I was then. God preserving him and keeping him young all that time till now. He, he didn't lose 40 years. He gained 40 years in, in wisdom. He didn't lose it in vigor. Well, uh, Moses the same way. He's not like 120 and, and feeble and all crippled up. Look, at he's, his natural force isn't abated. His eye isn't dim. God bless him. 120 years old, he doesn't need glasses. He hasn't been to the optometrist. They haven't even invented him yet. Imagine to be 120 years old, what your eyesight's going to be like. Because I needed glasses when I was like 45. You know, Adam, you're not wearing glasses because I'm wearing contacts. That's why. But I think it was about mid to late 40s when I started wearing contacts, right? I don't exactly remember. It's nothing worth celebrating. I didn't mark it on the calendar. I think it was about that time, okay? He's 120, and he's still got 20-20, or maybe even better than that. Who knows? Why is that? Because Moses is, and get this, because it's going to be a homework question. It's, it's, it's very important for us to know. Moses is a picture of the law. The law doesn't get older. Uh, I, I think it was Victor Hugo who wrote Les Miserables. You can check that, but, but he is a godly man, and I got to tell you, my favorite novel, Way, okay, Les Miserables, it's, it's the story, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ, and at the beginning of the story, he's a bad guy, but he gets infected by the gospel, and he is miraculously, and he becomes like the hero of the whole thing, uh, Jean Valjean. Well, Jalvert, he's the the constable. He's constantly after him. And he's, this lawman is the law. And he's a picture of the law. And like when you go to shoot him, your gun fails. Uh, he clasps on you and it's like an iron grip. It's a vice you can't escape from. And he's, and it's, and it's kind of really funny how uh, uh, he was portrayed in that. Like, you know, almost a superhuman being. Uh, and, and of course, at the end, he commits suicide good, because he's really not a good guy at all. He just knows the law. He knows that this has to be. But he runs up against the grace. And it's a wonderful story, though. But I should, the, the French names of everything is very tough. Have somebody read it to you, a la LibriVox recordings. And it's five big tomes. It, it'll take you a long time to get through it, but it's my favorite. Anyway, I, I always remember that character and how, how invincible he is because he's the law, and the law is the law. And Moses is the law at 120 years old. He, he, he's, not, he's not running out of steam. 
that's key. It's key for us to know that. And by the way, I'll just give you the answer because I don't want to be coy. Of course he can't take the people into the promised land. You say, yeah, at the waters of Meribah, he struck the rock. He should have spoke to the rock. That's true. If you answer that that way Wednesday night, you no, you missed it. No. He's a picture of the law. The law can't take you into the promised land. Whether you think the law is, is the promised land is heaven, or you think it's, like I think, it's victorious Christian living. Look, the promised land, and I know we cross over Jordan into the promised land according to swing low, sweet chariot, and things like that. No, in the promised land you fight giants. I'd like to think when I'm in heaven, the days of fighting giants are behind me. I'd like to think. I think of the promised land as the promises of God. Uh, laying hold of what Jesus Christ has laid hold of us. I would call it the spirit-filled life. I would call it victor victorious Christian living. Will the law get you there? No. No. Remember we started out in Galatians last week. By the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Moses is a picture of the law. Since Sinai, he's a picture of the law. And I referenced for homework, John chapter 1, verse 18. The law came by Moses, grace and truth by Jesus Christ. You know what you need to get you into your promised land? You need Joshua, Yeshua. It's not a coincidence that the first book in the Bible that's named after a human being is Joshua. It's not a coincidence that Joshua gets us into the promised land. Our Joshua does the same thing. And so these pictures are very close to the surface and very obvious. And if you don't think in terms of pictures, you're wondering, well, God's probably heavy-handed. Okay, he had a bad hair day. I mean, talking about Moses, and he, and he smacked the rock and said, Didn't that God, isn't God just kind of overreacting? No, Moses is never going to lead anyone into the promised land. The law can't do it. Now let's keep moving. I can't, I can no more go out and come in. It's not because he's 120, because also the Lord has said unto me, thou shalt not go over this Jordan. My time has expired. I can't do it. That's why he can't go in and he can't go out among the people. Lord thy God, he will go over before thee, and he will destroy these nations from before thee, and thou shalt possess them. And Joshua, he shall go over before thee, as the Lord has said. I want to talk about this in the natural and the spiritual. In the natural, don't look to any man, because I suppose there are Moses supporters. Well, if he ain't going, I ain't going. Because you see this in, in like a church, a pastor will leave, or maybe leave under less than honorable circumstances. Maybe he's become a heathen. Maybe he's done horrible sin. A lot of the people will say, well, well, then I'm not following God anymore, if that's the way it is. Stop that. Just, just shake your head. That's a stupid idea. Shake your head. That idea comes right out. What happens if I got involved with horrible sin? I'm not about to lay an atomic bomb in your lap or I'm getting down or nothing like this. Just imagine, okay, just for the sake of imagining, I'm involved in horrible, wicked sin. I hope you go on with the Lord. It means nothing. It has nothing to do with your faithfulness to God at all. Pastors are men, and they do some horrific things sometimes. You have to. 
in your mind of minds, I am following Jesus Christ. I don't care who else follows. I don't care who else drops off to the side. I don't care what pastor is involved in what sin. I don't care. None of that stuff. At some point, you're following Jesus Christ has to become, that's all there is to it. There's no qualification on that. I'm for Jesus forever. That's all. And I, I think that's what he's saying. Hey, I'm not going, but God is. But God is. The Lord thy God, he will go over before thee. He will destroy these nations from before thee. Okay, we, me and you together, we took care of, uh, took, uh, care of uh, Sihon and Og. But it was really God to begin with. And that same God, he's going over, and he's going to mention them two characters again. And Joshua, you've got to know about Joshua. Guys, you have to know about Joshua. He will lead you into all victory. You have to know that. And I'm talking about Jesus Christ, okay? Let me just make it very plain. He will lead you into all victory. And the Lord shall do unto them as he did to Sihon, to Og, king of the Amorites, and unto the land of them whom he destroyed. Hey, you know God who wipes out big 15 and a half foot giants? <laughs> Nothing to him. He's going before you. He's, he's still got that giant wiping out power, which is very good for us to know because there's giants in our lives. And we will mention some of them, but I, wanna, I want the Lord to mention them. And the Lord shall give them up before your face, they, you may do unto them according unto all the commandments which I have commanded you. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. The most often commanded uh, commandment in all of Scripture, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Why? Because God knows us and he knows that we're prone to be afraid. He tells us in the New Testament, fear doesn't come from God. Here, be strong, don't be afraid. Be of good courage, don't be afraid. Fear not, don't be afraid. And don't be afraid. <laughs> so he four, four different ways he tells us, don't be afraid. Why? Because we're prone to fear. Can I be honest with you for a second? Just open up my heart. I get, I get afraid sometimes. It's a bell. I'm not a fearful like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. You know, when in trouble, running down, running down, running in circles, screaming, shout. I'm not... Chicken little, the sky's falling. But I, I, can, I can get fearful. Oh, I can. I, I worry about cancer. I worry about having a, hey, hey, there's a recession on. My dolls don't go as far as they used to. I worry about getting behind. I worry about getting sick, not being able to go to work. Uh, don't even talk, talk to me about spiritual concerns and stuff like that. I'm as concerned about, I'm not oblivious to needs and concerns and all the stuff that's going on. I, I can get overwhelmed. And I can get really nerved up. And then I, wait a second, wait a second, what am I doing? God's in control. He's an abdicated. He, last I checked, he was still on the throne. Why don't I pray? My, listen, I'll either, my prayer list, it'll be my prayer list or my worry list, whichever one I want. I, I, my choice, right? If I don't pray about it, I will worry about it. And so, I, it, so I'm not trying to make you feel bad if you have anxiety or worry ever or anything like this. But I would, like God, hey, 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 
I got this. I got this. Roll all your cares on me. I care about you. I am mighty. I am awesome. I can do anything. Don't you know how much I love you? I've given you Jesus Christ. With him, won't I certainly give you all things? That was a good place for an amen. Hey, look, look. Figure it out first or last. He's an awesome God, and we don't need to fear. It doesn't come from God. Where does it come from? Flesh, the devil, the news media. They're always up in arms. It's the end of the world. Oh, my goodness. And they, I, Why? Because we tune in and we feed off that. I don't know. Don't buy in. Don't be, of, be strong and of good courage. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Because I'm still a giant killer, God says. And if it's fear, if it's bitterness, if it's anger, if it's lust, if it's... What, what, what else is there? A lot of things. Hey, I got this, God says. I got this. I can deliver you. You know, the first one... Satan always makes us feel like we're the only person going through these things. Nobody ever has been delivered from this. And God says, Sihon, Og, anger, (laughs) ain't nothing to me. As soon as you want to come, as soon as you want to take your victory, here's what I'm telling you, be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. That's what he's saying. The Lord thy God, he is that doeth that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Now you can come and tell me why and what situation God is failing you or forsaking you. And I will tell you, no, it's not so. Scripture says he won't do that. Adam, I haven't been the Christian lately that I should be. This is not, he's talking to a rebellious, stiff-necked people. This isn't, it, it, it isn't there's no... This, I'm promising you this, God says. It's not because you've performed great lately. Now I'm going to determine to deliver you. What about lust? He won't deliver me from lust because I lust too much, you you might say. Wait, what? You mean you've got to stop lusting before he delivers you from lust? But... <laughs> You can say that about any sin, right? I haven't been faithful, so he's not going to bless me. Well, he's talking to rebellious people and says, I'm going with. I'm going to deliver you. Sihon's nothing. Og, nothing but a thing. Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him, In the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage, for thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee, he will be with thee, he will not fail thee, neither forsake thee, fear not, neither be dismayed. What do they have to do? Don't fear. But he's going with. He's going with if you tithe, or if you are faithful in synagogue attendance, or if you're, there's no if. I want us to understand that. That's very important, because if you, you start qualifying the promises of God, you're never going to hold up your end of the bargain, no matter what you make out your end of the bargain to be. And that's a big problem. 
Because we have this outcome-based Christianity. I haven't read my Bible lately. That's why I'm so fearful. And that's why I don't think God's hearing my prayer. I don't think he's blessing me. I don't think he loves me. I haven't been a good person lately. Well, I want you to be good people. I want you to obey God. I want you to love God. But it's not, one doesn't follow the other in the sense of like, Oh, I've been really good lately. I've been reading my Bible and I've been doing really good. Now God's going to deliver me from all my fears. Don't, if, you, if you make it like that, you're never going to get to the place where you need to be with the Lord. It's called grace. And if you don't understand that, what do you offer people when you share the gospel with them, by the way? If you do awesome, that's called religion. If you do awesome, God will love you. That's religion. I'm telling you something. God loves you and you're not awesome. I know because I'm not awesome. And he loves us anyway. That's what I'm trying to say. It's called grace. Try it on. You'll love it. It it fits you. It looks good on you. Be strong and of good courage. I must go to this people under the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou hast caused them to inherit it. The Lord, he it is that do, doth go before thee. Verse 8, he will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. I know I read that. I want to read it twice for emphasis. And Moses wrote this law and delivered it unto the priests, the sons of Levi, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and unto all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years... In the solemnity of the year of release, in the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel is to appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, that becomes Jerusalem after a while, thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of this law. Adam, you say that... By the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. The law has a a reason for it. It's just not in saving you. It's our schoolmaster to show us that we can't come that way. Boy, I certainly understood this. I don't know exactly when it happened. Praise God, I finally got this. Because I was a religious person. I was trying to do all the do's and not do the don'ts, trying to get God's approval, trying to get him to love me. At some point, I just gave up on it altogether. I stopped being what I would call religious. It wasn't a good thing. It was like I kind of turned my back on God saying, I give up. I give up. Giving up on self was a very good thing. And then when the gospel came, and I'm drowning in sin, grab it like a rabbit. God offers free salvation, forgiveness of sins. Yeah, 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 count me in, yeah. And why is the, 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 okay, first of all, it's every seven years, the Shemitah year, okay, the seventh year, which we just ended in Rosh Hashanah this year. It's a new year, and that was just a couple, three weeks back, right? It was on a Sunday, too. Uh, There's a debate there, because there's a different way that the rabbis and you were supposed to, it's passed, okay? And then 10 days after that is the Feast of Tabernacles. Oh, it's Yom Kippur. And then after that is the Feast of Tabernacles. I think it's 15 days after Rosh Hashanah. 
I can't remember that. You can look it up. It's in uh, Leviticus 23. So anyway, at the Feast of Booths, Tabernacles, they make these booths and they live in them for uh, eight days. And it's, it's a high holy day and a uh, whole week. I like the way God has his holy days. You get a whole week off camping. It's kind of good, right? Do you think that's kind of a good? I don't know, right? And then you read the law to remind them of the law. And what's the point? I can't keep this anyway. It's, it's to be read to realize you can't keep it anyway. Which is one of the things we're doing here. In, I mean, I read, 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 read these things to you, and you, your heart is like, that's what I want. I want to follow God. I want to follow God in my own heart. Are you doing it? Because can I just, again, we're just honesty in church. How many of you guys want to be on? I don't do it. Not all the time I serve God out my whole heart all the time. I, I, I'm sorry, I don't. I, I don't go AWOL for very long, but I have my flesh eruptions. I have my moments. I have my, like you, I wrestle against the same things you wrestle against. The law is good. It's the heart, it's the mind of God that I don't keep, that I wish I did. But it reminds me that God loves me, that he's, it, it tells me that this isn't the way to come to God, being a rule keeper. Oh, I, 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 I admire the law. It's wonderful. I, I, it's, I, I can't find fault with it. The fault with it is on my end. I don't, I don't keep it. I don't do it. I can't do it. Some people think they do. They're remarkably foolish. Oh, I just live by the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> you do not. You, that's, oh, you're so cute. That's laughable that you'd even think that you do. I want to treat everyone like I'd like to be treated. But I don't. I'd like to be perfect, like, you, like my Father in Heaven is perfect. But I'm not. Let's keep going. So do this every seven years. Women, children, everybody. But at the end of the day, you're not going to do it. And God knows they're not going to do it. And this whole chapter is about, hey, you're not going to do it. That the children which have not known anything may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as they live in the land where you go over to possess it. Teach your children these things. But at the end of the day, you're also teaching them, this is the law. This is wonderful. It's good. It's godly. It was ministered to by angels. It came down from Sinai. God wrote it on his finger and tablets and said, here. And, but you can't do it. Oh, I know you'd want to. I do, I do too. But you can't. So well, I never murdered anyone. Then Jesus comes along and says, yeah, I've been angry with anyone. We all say, yeah, I guess. That's the murder spirit. You just didn't go through with it, but you had that murderous intent. Don't even talk about lust. We wouldn't even go there. Oh, I never committed adultery. And Jesus says, um, guess what? Recalibrate. And so you want your children to know that. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the days approach that thou must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the tabernacle of the congregation that I may give him a charge. And Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tabernacle of the congregation. Imagine that day. So Moses says, Hey, go grab Joshua. We're going uh, to meet uh, God in the tabernacle. And, you know, Joshua's in his tent, right? With his family, right? Hey, Josh, uh, God calling. He wants to meet with you and Moses in the, in the tent of meeting. Oh, um, okay. Uh, what does that look like? Is that like trepidation? I think so. Would, 
If God want to meet with you, and you'd be, you'd be recalling all your failures and all the things, and, and you'd be like, I don't know that I want to meet with God right now. Give me a chance to you know, clear the air a little bit or something. And the Lord appeared in the tabernacle in a pillar of cloud, and, a pillar of, uh, the pillar, and the pillar of the cloud stood over the door of the tabernacle. What does that tell you? It tells you it was in the daytime, because if it was at night, it would be a pillar of fire. And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, Thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, and this people will rise up and go whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land, whither they go, to be among them, and will forsake me and break my covenant, which I have made with them. What part of this isn't true? Well, it's God's talking, so of course it's all true. Will it happen? Exactly like he says it will happen. At the end of your 120 years of ministry, well, 40 years of ministry, ultimately, failure. Ouch. Ouch. Really? I mean, yeah, stiff neck and is it Moses' fault? No. Oh, but he's probably like most of us who do ministry. You can't do it without your heart being involved. When somebody goes a whoring after other gods, to put it plainly, you think I'm Unaffected? If you're in Sunday school and you teach kids, I was talking to Morgan earlier, and she was talking about her compatriots come up through, you know, high school friends and such like this, and then they went off to college, and a lot of them fell through the cracks. <laughs> Very often they do. I don't recommend college. No, I don't. Uh, you're going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, at least tens of thousands of dollars in debt, and they may rob your faith as well. Now, if God's called you to go to college, go to college. I'm not that much against it. Do what God's called you to do, obviously. But I see kids go off to college all the time. Why? Because the guidance counselor somewhere tells them that they should. Should they go off to college? If God calls you to that, it should probably be Bible college. It should probably be faith-based. Well, they get a good job. Wait, are you serious right now? You don't want to go there. Not with me, you don't. What if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? Is that a good, that a good trade? Jesus doesn't think so, okay? So don't give me this good job stuff because I can get really agitated about that. God will guide you and God will bless you and God will do... Now again, if God's calling you to go to college, you better go to college, okay? That's all there is to that. But if he's not, you go to secular college and you can be up against these professors while you're like 20 and you think you're going to come out victorious? Maybe. I saw our God's Not Dead, the original one too. It, it could happen. It could happen. But that was a Hollywood script. That wasn't a... It, maybe it's happened in real life somewhere. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw you into the lion's den for anything if I had my druthers about it. Again, if God's calling you, I'll leave that door open. You and God can sort that out. Um, where am I? Where am I? What am I, what am I talking about called? Uh, the children uh, which uh, have not known anything may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land whether you go over to Jordan to possess it. Uh, and the Lord said, oh, I, I went past this. I got up to verse 16. The Lord said, you're going to sleep with your... Uh, your fathers, but these people, they're going to go whoring after other gods. It, 
it, so thanks for the hard work, Moses, but guess what? They're, they're not going to stay faithful. I'm sure this, will, this saddens him. Why? Because I have a pastor's heart. You have a pastor's heart if you have a family and your kids aren't where they should be with the Lord. You get it. We all get it. Then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured. Many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, Are not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? Some people did that during the Holocaust. For the most part, they just thought, you know, the Gentiles are bad people, which is true also. But the time of Jacob's trouble, you would call it the tribulation period, and that's a good name for it as well. God's going to break the back of his, his people. Two out of every three will pass under the rod, as it says in the book of Zechariah. About during the Holocaust, one out of every three Jews die. During the next Holocaust that we call the tribulation, two out of every three Jews will die. And finally, they'll say, are not all these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? They're going to come to that place of repentance. I will surely hide my face in that day for all the evils which they shall have wrought and that they turned unto other gods. Now therefore write ye this song for you. Okay, Mo, you're about to become a songwriter. Uh, he wrote one of the Psalms. I don't know which one first, uh, but I have an idea that Psalm's already written at this point. Now, I want you to write this song and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness to me against the children of Israel. I know a lot of scripture that people have put to music. Isn't that incredible? Uh, we were, yesterday we come back from that wedding and I was singing, what was that? Oh, we were singing Sweet Low, Sweet Cherry. And I came up with all these obscure verses because it's been around there since the third grade or something. I just, let's see. Uh, yeah, I'm sometimes up, I'm sometimes down. I, I could come up with it. Why? That isn't even scripture, by the way, but, uh, but it's a song. And I remember lyrics from when I was a little kid, and I can still sing them today at 62 years old. Not well, but I can still sing them. I know all the words, because music does that. Boy, I tell you what, you put the whole Bible to music, I'll memorize the whole Bible, I'll tell you. Uh, do this, Moses. I want you to write it in a song. Put it in their mouths, in other words, teach it to them, that the song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. Now, witness is going to be very important for the rest of the chapter. And when I shall have brought them into the land, which I swear unto their fathers, that floweth with milk and honey, and they shall have eaten and filled themselves in wax and fat. That's a good thing. Uh, you know, I've obtained fatness from the Lord, you say. It talks about a multitude of blessing. But sometimes it talks about a multitude of blessing where you get really inured from God working in your life and you kind of wax fat in scriptures, isn't it? You're not, you're hard of hearing, spiritually speaking. We're not sensitive to the things of the Lord. Uh, we, that happens in America. I think it happens in America more than it happens in a lot of places. We, we're blessed, we're blessed, we're blessed. And how many of you guys have gone without food like for an extended period of time and like been like seriously hungry and not had a place to get food at? Really? Because we say we're hungry, and what we're generally saying, it's, it's, boy, it's quarter of one. I usually eat at 12. I'm, I'm famished. I could, I could eat a horse, and none of those things are true, by the way. 
We're not really famished at all. No, we couldn't eat a horse. and We're just a little past our appointed uh, time to eat. And sometimes we're so blessed that we're We take it for granted. Then they will turn to other gods and serve them and provoke me and break my covenant. Does that happen? Nothing God says is going to happen doesn't. Sometimes it hasn't happened yet. It shall come to pass when many evils and troubles are befallen them that this song shall testify against them as a witness for it shall not be forgotten out of them, the, the mouths of their seed. For I know their imagination which they go about even now before I have brought them into the land which I swear. Song of Moses. So it's going to be a witness. It's going to hang around for a while. Revelation chapter 15. You can turn there or not. I'm going to read a few verses. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. Okay, this is after seals, after trumpets, after the middle of the tribulation, after the death and resurrection of the two witnesses, after all that stuff, right? It's, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty, the seven bowls of wrath, here's the seven angels. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass having the harps of God. You really play harps in heaven? I think this is on on earth, but... Uh, I saw another sign in heaven. It is heaven. I'm thinking of something else. And they sing, verse 3, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. So Moses' song, the song he's gonna, we're going to learn here, or going to read, going to teach on, it, it, it's around for a long time. And it's, the, it's, it's as a witness. It's, it shall not be forgotten, verse 21, and it's not. Verse 22, Moses therefore wrote the song the same day and taught it to the children of Israel. And he gave Joshua, the son of Nun, a charge and said, Be strong and of a good courage, for thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land which I swear unto them, and I will be with thee. It's important. Joshua is a Christ type. Uh, if you want to read about time where Joshua blew it and really sinned, you won't find it in Scripture because as a, he's one of the purest Christ types. He, 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 no sin is recorded of him. That's true of, of several of the Christ types in Scripture. Uh, it just is. Um, Joseph, the Christ type. Do you remember Joseph's great sin? Uh, Joseph's great sin. I don't remember any of it because it's not there in Scripture. Was he a sinner? Well, to be sure... Any Christ type, I mean, is a type, and it's not Christ per se, but, and all models break down at some point. Only Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ, okay? But typologically, and here's something you probably may or may not have thought about. In the Bible, Christ types generally marry Gentile brides. Joseph, right? I don't know about Joshua. We don't know about his wife. 
um, but uh, like, okay, like uh, um, Isaac, right? Like, uh, as I already said, um, Joseph, um, uh, Boaz, they marry Gentile brides. Tells us something about the church of Jesus Christ. And the death of their bride is never recorded in Scripture. Do you remember where it talks about Joseph's wife dying? You won't find that chapter. Right? Interesting, interesting. What about the death of Ruth? Not recorded in Scripture. Huh. The Spirit of God edits that. Now, don't tell me, no, I'm, I'm not saying Ruth is around some 4,000-year-old woman, gals running around, <laughs> hadn't died yet. No, don't get me wrong. Her death's not recorded. Why? Because Jesus is on the resurrection of life. Even if you die, you, you're going to live. So even typologically, the types stay true. Now, sometimes you'll find a Christ type, and you'll find something that's not quite, because at, at some point, the types, typologically, things break down because only Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ. We've got to understand that. But let's keep going. So Joshua has to be, he has to be, he can't be fearful. Why? You ever see scripturally Jesus Christ running around? Oh, 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 what's going to happen? Oh, oh, dear me. Oh, oh. Not, not Jesus. Not our great warrior, high priest, victor over sin in the grave. He, you say, well, in Gethsemane, I don't think he was like fearful in the sense that I think he was, what got him stressed out, can I say stressed out without anyone accusing me of blasphemy? What got him sweating drops of blood, in my humble estimation, he was going to come, become sin for us. Him who knew no sin. And there was going to be a time where God would turn his back on him and he would say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In the history of ever, eternity, that had never happened. And if that's what got his stress levels up, in my thinking, that's what it was. Oh, cross, crucifixion, nails, thorns. I'm not saying he enjoyed or relished any of that. His nerve endings would work like ours did. But I think the thing that was really stressing him was separation from God. Boy, I wish to God that we'd all be stressed out by that. But Joshua, don't be, be strong and of good courage, for thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land which I swear unto them, and I will be with them. And it came to pass when Moses made an end of writing the words of, the, of this law in a book until they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and put it in the side of the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God that it may be there for a witness against thee. Again, another witness against thee. Why? You're going to mess up. And I want to let you know, I called it. I knew it was going to happen. Um, it was one of the homework questions. Why does God keep witnessing against them? Why, does he, why is it important for all these witnesses? So he writes the book of the law. Was that Deuteronomy? I think it's all five books. And he puts it into the Ark of the Covenant and that it's there for witness against thee. For I know thy rebellion and thy stiff neck. Behold, while I am yet alive with you this day, you have been rebellious against the law of the Lord. How much more after my death? I'm here right now and you're rebelling. After I'm gone, oh, what's it going to look like? 
Jesus says the same thing on the way to cruci- being crucified. You remember he says, uh, don't weep for me. If they do this thing, you know, when the tree's still alive, what are they going to do in the dry, you know, when the tree... You remember that? It's the same kind of thing. Uh, so, boy, them people of Israel, they're really rebellious. They're really stiff-necked. If that's what you're reading right now, I think you're missing a key point. Is he, is he talking to us? Boy, if we're stiff-necked and rebellious, he is. I am more stiff-necked and rebellious than I want to be. And every time I think about it, I just offer myself afresh to the Lord. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Having done that, is that a once-for-all thing? Well, if you think so, I won't argue with you, but I find in my life this sacrifice keeps crawling off the altar and, and I, haven't been, I haven't been done with my flesh once and for all forever yet. But I, want, I don't want to be rebellious. I don't want to be stiff-necked. And I keep praying. I keep asking the Lord, fill me with your spirit. Help me be the person you want me to be. I don't want to be, I want to be strong and of good courage. We need that in these days. I tell you, there's people who know what's going on and are freaking out. And then, of course, there's people who don't know what's going on spiritually. And then there's people who know what's going on and are praying and taking care of business spiritually. I want to be that person. He's called us for such a day as this. Here we are for such a day as this. We're in places of ministry and prominence. We have a place uh, we could speak in the lives of people, in our families, in our, among our friends, at our places of work, certainly our place of worship. We can speak, and, and if we're freaked out, that's, and we're communicating freaked outedness to everybody, how's that going to be a good thing? If you guys knew what was coming, you'd be just... I, I don't want to be sounding the alarm. I, I know what's coming. I'm trying to teach it and proclaim it. It's no secret. Uh, what I, I've said often, what part of our perilous times are you struggling with? I'll be, I'd be glad to explain it to you. Uh, freak out? Oh my goodness, no. No, God's still in control. And again, we're following you to the end, Lord. There's no, there's no plan B. Let's keep, let's keep getting through this here. Um, so he, he wrote it, he put it in the ark as a witness against them. I know you're rebelling, you're stiff-necked. Behold, while I'm yet alive, verse 27, I know I read it with you this day, you've been rebellious against the Lord. How much more after my death? Gather unto me all the elders of the tribes and your officers, that I may speak these words in their ears and call heaven and earth to record against them. For I know that after my death you, sh- you will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you, and evil will befall you in the latter days. Now, is that talking about the latter days, like as we would think about them, the end times? Yes, it is. Uh, but some say, well, this latter means any time after this is written. And there's a truth to that, because they do corrupt themselves after Moses' death, and all these things come upon them. That's for sure. But I think some of this is for the latter days. Because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. Let's all be anti-Semitic because God's turned his back on his people. It was for a season. There was a time when that is actually the truth. It's saying so here. But then, in the latter days, you know, he's going to establish his kingdom in Jerusalem, on Mount Zion. Uh, 
so much about that that well, did, were you with me when we were in a couple of weeks ago in Psalm two? Uh, why, why do the nations rage and the people imagine a vain thing? God says in heaven, He laughs. I will uh, set my son on my holy hill on Jerusalem. He says, uh, "It's it, it's going to be." And Moses spake in the ears of all the congregation of Israel the words of the song until they were ended. Now next, that sets us up next time for the song of Moses. Listen, God turned his back on Israel, and it's true, and that doesn't mean we have a right to be anti-Semitic. It means that God's, his, his promises are yea and amen. Uh, I know there are a lot of people, uh, when I talk about this, I, I know there's people get very, very, not here. I don't think you'd come to church here if you were anti-Semite. People get very, very upset with me. God's promises have devolved to the church, blah, 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 blah. Uh, God's promise, listen, if God can't keep his promise to Abraham, what makes you think he'll keep his promise to you? I don't want a God who changes his mind, changes his mind. You guys are having a bad hair day, forget it. I ain't blessing you anymore. I'm out of here. You're not a fair weather God because you're going to need someone who's with you through thick and thin. And he's saying, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Be, be strong. Be in of good courage. I'm with you. I'll, I'll defeat all the ogs and the, the Sihons in your life. Let's stand, let's pray, let's go with uh, God's blessing. Father, you're a good God, and your promises are yea and amen. And you just bless us, and you continue to bless us. We're not very blessable sometimes, I'll admit that. But Lord, our heart is to follow after you and to be yours totally. And Lord, if any here are like, find themselves at odds with you this morning, they can come here and pray with me, but, or they can just in the privacy, uh, like so many times before, in the privacy of their own heart, say, Lord, I'm blowing it. Take me and just remake me, and I dedicate myself to you afresh, Lord. And just do in me what needs to be done to get me to the place I need to be to serve you all the days of my life. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.